is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Once again, good morning. Welcome. It's really good to have you with us this morning. I'm Graham. I'm part of the team that leads Jubilee, and it's a real joy to welcome you here, particularly if you're visiting us this morning. Let me add uh, Tim's uh, add-on to. There we are, Tim's welcome. It's great to have you here. If you've been with us recently, you'll know that we're working our way through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we're doing well with that. Um, But we're going to take a short break from Luke, and uh, over these next few weeks through the month of October, we're going to be looking at something a little bit different together. This uh, series, this mini-series, came out of a message that I brought to our away day back in the summer. Many of you uh, would have been there back in uh, June, I think it was. And at that time, I felt God speak to me, and there were one or two things that I brought, but I knew there was more to it. And uh, just looking at the diary, looking at how the weeks landed, and uh, praying about the autumn term, really felt that we should take a break from Luke and uh, look at this subject through the month of October. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. And I felt God speak to me really clearly about uh, a little preaching series called Running the Race. Running the Race. And uh, if you're taking notes this morning, you can uh, head it Running the Race. We're going to have a few weeks looking at this subject. There it is. Uh, looking at this subject together of running the race. And as I was praying, uh, I felt that uh, there probably were three or four sections that you could r- divide the theme of running a race into. Now, you, you, know, you know that we're, our typical style is to preach through a book. That's why we're going through Luke. And that's most of the way that we preach here in Jubilee. Um, but when it comes to preaching a little series like this that we we'll do every now and then, I tend to sit down and think, well, Lord, how would I divide it up? If I've got this title, where would we go from here? How, do, how would we split it up? And uh, those of you who know me well will know what an experienced and gifted athlete that I am. I know all about running. I know all about preparing yourself and the right diet and the exercise routine and the regime. As you can tell, can't you? <laughs> Deathly silence there. <laughs> But I found there were really three or four areas that we could split this up to. The first one that we'll look at this morning is preparation and training. Preparation and training. The second is starting well and focusing on the goal or the finish line if you're in a race. The third is jumping the hurdles. Now, clearly that only applies if you're in a hurdle race. But I think actually Christian life is a bit like a hurdle race. And we'll, we'll look at what some of the hurdles are and how to get over them in, uh, in week three. And then finally, our final week together, we'll look at finishing well. Because actually in the Christian life, it's not so much how you start, it's how you finish. That really counts. And uh, we'll look at that uh, in, uh, in week four. So that's where we're going. Okay, That's the next few weeks And so this morning I want to look at preparation and training when it comes to running the race. So let's pray together and and ask God to be with us in this. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that uh, you have spoken to us already. But thank you now that you are going to speak to us through your word. 
And uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, that we might have hearts now to hear what you have for us this morning. As we open up the scripture, we pray you would speak to us. Give us ears to hear what you have for, for us from your word this morning, Lord. I pray you'd help us all now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to find 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to read a few verses together. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you turn to it, scroll to it, click to it, or otherwise find it. Or if you've memorized it, you can just, you know, go to that section, can't you? There we are. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So it's those few verses that we're going to use to think about a little bit this morning when it comes to the race. Now, in a variety of places, the Bible describes the Christian life as like a race. And that's the sort of thing that we're in. And it's a good analogy. It's not a meandering Sunday afternoon walk. You know the sort of walk that you have maybe after you're on a large Sunday lunch like you'll have at Adam and Rachel's house today if you're going? You know, roast beef, Yorkshire puddings, roast potatoes as a starter. And, uh, you know, there'll be many courses that there will be at their house, I'm I'm sure. Uh, And, you know, you you, uh, have an enjoyable lunch Maybe a glass or two of your favourite red wine and just the best pavlova that money can buy as a pudding. And you're sort of there and you sort of loosen your belt and uh, some bright spark says, let's go for a walk. You ever have those sort of situations? And so, you know, you you eagerly get up out of your chair and there's a sort of a slow meandering around the block or around the park, or whatever it might be that you go to for your leisurely Sunday afternoon walk. And slowly you sort of walk off the heavy lunch, and after, you know, a, you know, a very, a very physical 15 or 20 minutes, you think, well, that's about it. I've done my exercise. And you wander back into the armchair and fall soundly asleep. Or is that just me? It's not just me, I'm sure. The Christian life isn't that sort of exercise. It's not that sort of race. What Paul is describing here is a race where runners have trained, where they are determined to win a prize. You see, the Christian life isn't like a meandering Sunday afternoon walk. It's meant to be lived with passion, with purpose, with probably another P that you could think of to make it three. But it's that sort of idea where there's a purpose and a passion and a goal in mind where you want to win the prize. Not a meandering after lunch Sunday walk. Paul probably would have had in mind the Isthmian Games. Now, in his time, they were second only in fame to the Olympic Games, which maybe you'll be more familiar with. They were held every two years. And athletes would compete in races, in wrestling, in boxing, 
in discus and javelin throwing, in the long jump, in chariot racing, sounds good, in poetry and singing. So there you go. So, guys, you, you could have been in, in the games, you know, with your, with your singing, or maybe some of you poets out there could have, could have entered. Now, there, were no, there was no permanent accommodation, we're told, uh, for these games. So athletes would have, uh, uh, would have sort of stuck up a tent in the surrounding field. So maybe that's where somebody got the idea for Bible weekends all those years ago. Lots of tents in the field somewhere. Probably it would have given Paul and his friends Aquila and Priscilla a good market for their tents or for repairing other people's. But that particularly wouldn't have been his goal in being there. More importantly to someone like Paul would have been all the people that would have gathered who needed to hear about Jesus. So he would have been familiar with these games. So what does he say here? He talks about going into training, doesn't he? If you've got your Bible open, look at verse 25. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And next week we'll talk more about the race. But this morning, I want to talk about this training, this preparation, if you like. Because Paul makes it clear that preparation is key. It's essential to running the race. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And he goes on about um, beating his body and making it his slave. You know, He's not talking about some twisted sadomasochistic flagellation here. I never thought I'd have that phrase in a preach, but there we are, we've, we've got it in. He's not talking about that, rather he's talking about his body is going to suffer hardships in the same way that an athlete's body suffers hardships when an athlete determines to exercise and prepare well for the race that they're in. Maybe last year, when the Olympic Games were on, you would have read one of the articles that was very common to read at the time. It would have been about how a particular athlete was preparing for their race or their event. And you'd read about what they were doing. You'd read about their diet. You'd read about their exercise routine. How they'd be up at half past four in the morning and you know, an hour at the gym and, and then a swim and then something else. And all these things were, were they were doing in mind in order to get themselves fit so they might be best prepared to win the race that they were going to enter. Even just reading those sort of articles would make me tired. But they did it because they were focused on a goal. They had a prize that they wanted to win. It was a medal, and it was coloured gold. And when athletes train with something like that in mind, they take it seriously. They give themselves to it. They prepare well. But listen, let me ask you a question. If athletes prepare like that for the race that they're going to be in, to win a medal, how much more should you and I prepare well for the Christian life? Don't you think we should take it equally seriously? Don't you think we should be doing some things to, to prepare ourselves for the race that Jesus has got marked out for us? You see, for them, for athletes, preparation is key. It's essential. Training is part of what they do. And I want to suggest to us this morning that for us as Christians, preparation and training is just as important if not more so. Do you agree? So what training is necessary for the Christian then? What training is important for us? Elsewhere, Paul talks about new Christians craving spiritual milk. 
but those who are more mature needing more solid food. So let me ask you, what are you eating and drinking? Is it spiritual milk or is it spiritual solid food? I wonder, where are you? Are you having milk or food? If you're a new Christian, what's your plan to get on some more solid food? What are you going to do to help you get there? How are you going to grow in your newly found Christian faith? Well, first off, we need to uh, understand that it's okay for new Christians to drink milk, just as it's good for babies to drink milk. You wouldn't feed a baby an apple or something else that needed chewing. They don't have the teeth to do it. They, they don't have the digestive system that's ready to, uh, to be able to cope with that. What they have, what they can cope with is milk, so that's what you give babies. I've learned these things over the years. And similarly, when someone first becomes a Christian, there there are things that they need. Just like a baby needs milk, there are things that new Christians need. Things that you need to understand, some truths that it will do you well to get hold of and to, uh, to be able to understand and get into your life. They're foundational things, like understanding who Jesus is, what he's done for you. Tim mentioned the Alpha course earlier. Alpha is a great course. It's a great introduction to what it means to be a Christian. And if you're looking into faith, thinking, well, you know what, I want to find out what these guys believe. I've got some questions, but I'd like to discuss that. I'd like to look at some answers, if there are any. Then, listen, for you, Alpha would be great. Or if maybe you've recently become a Christian, then also for you Alpha is great as well because it goes over some foundational things about what it means to be a Christian, to follow and to love Jesus. And there are other things you could do, other courses like foundations courses or freedom in Christ. All these sorts of things are, are good for you and will help you to grow in your Christian faith and help you to get closer to Jesus and to understand more about what the Bible says and how it applies to your life. Things like that are important. And I would urge you and encourage you to go for that. But what about if you've been a Christian for a little while now? What about if you've been a Christian for years? The temptation for us, if we've been a Christian for any length of time, is to think, no, no, the training is just for the new Christians. It's not so important for us. Listen, how many athletes do you know that say, don't need to train anymore, I've been an athlete for a little while now, don't need to exercise anymore now, don't need to train, that's just for the newbies. They don't, do they? They keep giving themselves to it. And friends, I think the challenge for us is that we keep giving ourselves to growing in God as well and not settle. Because no matter how long you've been a Christian, I know one thing. God has more for you. He has more for you. He has more for you to understand. He has more for you to experience. And he has more for you to do. So don't think that training and preparation is just what new Christians need. It's what we all need. So what about you? How about you growing God's? Let me ask you, what are you reading? Is it, is it the latest novel? Latest paperback to come out? Or are you really getting into scripture Maybe read a commentary alongside it. If you want to grow in God, then that would be a good thing to do. If you're not sure which ones to to go for, and if you went into any Christian bookshop, there are lots, then I'd recommend this series to you by my friend Phil Moore. He's not paying me for commission, but maybe he should do. And it's called the Straight to the Heart of series. 
and Phil writes in a really accessible way. It's not heavy going and full of Greek. And you'll be thinking, I just don't understand it. It's very easy to read and it will help you to grow in your understanding of Scripture. This one's on Acts. I'm reading that through at the moment. But he's got a whole series out on all sorts of different books. Maybe read through your Bible and at the same time read through a commentary. So that you learn, you learn some things. You grow in your understanding. Things like that will help you. How about conferences? There are some great conferences around at the moment. There are some not so great conferences around as well. But there's some great conferences around you could go to. Maybe take two or three days out and go somewhere else. Learn some stuff. Experience something else of God's. And grow in your Christian faith. And particularly if you're in leadership, be it in the church or in business, then there are all sorts of leadership things that you could do, courses or conferences you could go to, that you might grow in your leadership. You see, someone needs to take responsibility for your personal growth in God. Let me ask you a question. Who is it? Is it me? No! Is it us as elders? Are we responsible for your personal growth in God? It would be nice to say yes, wouldn't it? And sort of subcontract it out. But listen, you are responsible for your personal growth in God. I am responsible for my personal growth in God. So we need to answer the question, friends, what are we doing about it? How are we going to grow? What's your plan? Now, study's great. Courses are good. Conferences are good as well. But for most of us, we learn the most, not when we read or study, but when we step out and apply what we've learnt. Because otherwise, the danger is we just get a head full of knowledge and it doesn't actually do us any good. So actually, we learn the most when we step out, typically step out of our comfort zone and learn to trust Jesus and to put into practice what we've learnt. Think about Peter walking on the water. He didn't do a how to walk on the water course first. He didn't do 12 weeks of let's identify different types of water. Let's talk about different steps you can make to get onto the water. Let's talk about how you might get out of the boat. No, no. He was just obedient to Jesus. When Jesus said come, he came. And he learned loads in that moment. And friends, I'm a great fan of study and learning and books and conferences and I'm all for those things and I would encourage you to get into them. But listen, the best thing you can do is be obedient to Jesus and to put what you've learned into practice. Because otherwise we just puff up our heads with knowledge and it doesn't actually do us any good and we don't grow in God. So we need to be obedient to what Jesus is saying to us. So are you stepping out? Are you sharing your faith? Are you offering to pray for your sick neighbour or friend? Are you being obedient to those prompts of the Holy Spirit? You see, training and knowledge needs to be put into action in order for it to do us good. Because you learn best by doing. Think about how Jesus trained his disciples. He had them around him. They watched what he was doing. They were involved and, and they did some of it as well. And then he sent them out to do it themselves there's a process to that but they had to get to a point where they went where they did it for themselves where they were being obedient and so if you're really going to grow if you're really going to grow as a Christian then you've got to step out you've got to trust Jesus be obedient to him and step out
And what that is for each of us is different. For you, it might be sharing your faith with someone on your university course. It might be offering to pray for a friend. It might be being obedient to uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit that's saying, just go and talk to that person over there. It'll be different for every one of us. But, you know, we can look back over our Christian life and there'll be times when we know that we've grown in God. And typically those times are when we are obedient to Jesus and we step out and do what he tells us to do. So, in terms of training, there are some things that are essential for all of us. No matter how long you've been a Christian, there are some things that are essential for all of us. Just like for the athlete, whether they're a brand new athlete or been, been an athlete for years, there are some things that are important and essential to them. Things like diet and exercise and routine and practice. Probably some others as well. There are some things that are important for us as well. Things like prayer, reading God's words, worship, fasting, community, discipleship. Service. There, there are probably more as well. I just wrote down a few as I was preparing it and making the list. But they're all part of our training in order to run the race. So next week we're going to start looking at the race. We're going to look at the goal. We're going to look at the prize that Scripture talks about. Often as Christians we think, oh, I can't really talk about the prize. That isn't a, isn't a very good thing to do. Well, well, Paul talks about it. He's quite happy to talk about that. So we're going to look at that next week. But before we get there, there are some things that need to be part of our training package. You know, part of our routine, if you like, in getting ready to run the race. So prayer, for example, is much more than coming to God with a shopping list. If we're not careful, prayer can become, Lord, I need an answer to this, 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 and this, and I need help doing my essay here. Whatever it might be, it can be, Lord, I need you to do this, do this, sort out that. And, and, and we sort of go through a list of, of wants and needs. And God wants to hear those. He wants to hear what's on your heart. He, he wants you to be honest with him because he knows how you feel anyway. But actually, prayer is more than that. It's about building a relationship. See, if I wanted to invest in my relationship with my wife, who will now come and stand next to me for a moment, and I would, boy, will I get in trouble for this later. But hey... It's worth it because this illustration is good. See, if I wanted to build a relationship with my wife and said, okay, we're going to go out for dinner tonight, and um, it's an illustration, okay? It's an illustration. It's not real, okay? It's pretend, okay? <laughs> um, but actually, when we sat down, I just gave her a list of demands. Well, I want you to do this, do this, do this, do this, and do the other. And it wouldn't be on the arm, I can assure you. See the bruises? <laughs> That's not how I build relationship, is it? That's not going to work. That's not going to do our relationship any good. If I want to build relationship with my wife, then I just want to have time with her. I want to share what's on my heart, and I want her to share what's on her heart with me. Now, we may get to a few things that are like, oh, could you help me with this? Or, or maybe I need to help you with something else. We might get to that, but actually it's about building relationship, isn't it? Thank you, you can sit down now. And the same is true for prayer. It's not about going to God with a list of demands. It's about relationship. It's about spending time with your Heavenly Father. It takes time to develop a good relationship with someone. And it takes time to develop a good relationship with God as well. 
There's no substitute from it for it. There's no shortcuts. There's no quick fix. It just takes time. And you know what? God loves to spend time with you. I love to spend time with my wife. God loves to spend time with you. He really does. It delights him. He thinks you're great. He loves to hang out with you. He loves it when you come to him and say, Lord, this time's for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the, your word now. I'm just going to walk and pray. Oh, I'm going to worship, whatever it might be. He loves that. Throws his heart. You don't have to come to him tensely thinking, oh, I wonder if God will accept me today. You are accepted. Every, you are accepted. There's nothing more you have to do. He's done everything that's necessary in Jesus. You're accepted. He loves you. He wants to spend time with you. And if you give him that time, then you grow in your relationship with him. Prayer and intimacy with God are foundational to your Christian life. And it's as you spend time with him, you learn to hear his whisper. You learn to recognize his voice. I've got friends that I can phone up. So I could phone my friend Matt, for example, and even before the days of mobile phones where it it told you who was calling, which is dead handy, isn't it? I could just phone him up and start a conversation. I wouldn't need to say, oh, hi, Matt, it's Graham here, because he would recognize my voice. And the same would be true if he phoned me. I wouldn't need to explain who he was. I'd just recognize his voice, because my friend. You know what? The more time you spend with God, the more you get to recognize his voice and learn to hear his whisper. Learn what's on his heart, what it is that's important to him, what he wants you to pray about what he's got for you. A friend of mine tweeted this week, our doing for God must flow from our being with God. Our doing for God must flow from our being with God. See, doing is important. James said that faith without works is dead. But the doing must come out of, must flow out of being with God to start with. Now, I'm an activist. I love doing things. I love making things happen. So I need to make sure I don't jump to that without first being with God. Otherwise, I'll just run around in circles. I need to be with God first. Maybe that's true for some of you. But maybe for others of you, actually, the reverse is true. (laughs) You're great being with God, but you never seem to get anywhere and do anything. Actually, both are important. Both are part of the Christian life. Both are ways that we're going to grow in God. Being with him and being obedient to him. Our doing for God must flow out of our being with God. Doing and being is important. But they're both important. We need to make sure we give both of them time. Scripture, are you reading God's words? The Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work who wants to be thoroughly equipped I do, I need to be thoroughly equipped I haven't got a lot to offer on my own so I need to be thoroughly equipped and it's as I read God's word that he equips me he trains me it's useful, it teaches me it rebukes me sometimes but you only get that if you read it so friends are you reading it? Are you reading God's word regularly? You're reading it, studying it, mining it, like we were talking about mining for uh, minerals earlier. Are you mining God's word, the truths that He has for you? I want to encourage you get into it, get into what He has for you. What about worship? Well, worship for me is uh, that's an easy one. I love to worship. 
I have to pick up my guitar or sit down at the piano and just sing and be with the Lord. I love it. And as I do that, I, I get a sense of God being close and him talking to me and being with me. What about worship for you? It's our highest calling as a Christian is, is to worship God and to be with him. It's not ancillary to the Christian life, not an optional extra, it's central. And it doesn't matter if you're particularly musical or not. It doesn't matter if you've got a great voice or not. It doesn't matter if you're ever going to be singing in a worship band on a stage or not. God just loves to hear your worship. And you know what? It blesses him and it does you good. Because as we worship God, it's like we remind ourselves who's really important. Who's at the centre of our lives? Who are we really following? Who are we being obedient to? It's him. It's him. So I want to encourage, encourage you, be a worshipper. Yet a time is coming, Jesus said, and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Let's worship in spirit and truth, friends. Let's give ourselves to the Lord. Be a worshipper. I love that. I love worship. Fasting, however, that's a harder one for me. But again, it's another spiritual discipline that the Bible talks about. And it's a great way where you can give up something. Often it's food. It doesn't have to be. But often it's in order to focus on the Lord and to be with him. Now, if I'm going to be honest with you, I find this hard. I'm not great at fasting. I struggle with it. But when I press through, and when I give myself to it, and give myself to being with the Lord, then I do find that he speaks. But I have to get over some humps first. Normally some hunger humps, if you can have such a thing. But I want to be honest with you. Some, things, some of these things I, I find easy. Some of them are harder for me. For you, it might be a different list. But they're also all important. So what is it for you? How are you doing with fasting, maybe? What about community? We're not meant to live out the Christian life on our own. That's not what it's meant to be like. We're meant to live it out in community. And it doesn't mean that we all have to sell our houses and move into some huge commune together. Some of you are thinking, thank goodness for that. What it does mean is that we allow space in our lives for one another. That we don't just seek to live out things on our own, but we allow space in our lives for one another. It certainly does mean we make our Christian experience much more than attending a meeting on a Sunday morning. Meetings are good. I like like meetings. But that's not community. Part of our vision is to love one another. And you can only really do that in community. If you're in relationship with one another. Jesus said in John 13, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So are we doing that, friends? Are we loving one another? That's why life groups are so important. They're not about a meeting. They're about building community and relationship. So are you part of one? Are you giving yourselves to that, to the opportunity to build relationship and community? Another one might be service. I think this goes with community, actually. It's a natural outworking. It's, it's, hard, to, you know, it's hard to be in community properly, and not love and serve one another. It's just a natural flow, isn't it? If you're hanging out with people, you're building friendship and community, you want to serve them, you want to love them, you want to help. You want to be a part of what God's doing in their lives. But it also includes discovering the gifts that God has given you. 
The Bible tells us that to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What does that mean? It means that God has given you some gifts in your life that are not just for your benefit. They're for the benefit of other people. The people around you who are in community with you, who are part of the church. They're for the benefit of the world around us, actually. Because it's not just that you can say, you know what, (laughs) I've got a prophetic gift. Or I've got a gift of healing, or whatever it might be. It's not just you can go, I can tick a box, I've got that gift. No, it's not just for your benefit. Now, you get blessed as you operate in it, but actually it's for the benefit of other people. So what gifts has God given you? Some of you right now, I guarantee, I will not ask you to put up your hand because I'm kinder than that, but some of you right now are thinking, but I haven't got any gifts. I don't know what it is. It must be the person behind is thinking of, because I haven't got anything to offer. Listen, very carefully. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one, to everyone, no one is excluded here. It might be you haven't yet discovered what your gift is. And if that's the case, then we can help you with that. But listen, it's not you haven't got one. You just might not have found out what it is yet. Because to everyone, God gives a gift or gifts. And they're designed to build up the body of Christ, to encourage one another, and to move God's mission forward. So let me ask you, what's your gift and are you using it? What's your gift and are you using it? They're meant to be used. It's meant to be for the building up of Christ's church. So are you using the gift or gifts that God has given you? It's a whole other message really, isn't it? But God's, God's church, what the Bible calls the body of Christ, only really works when all the parts function correctly. It only really works when all the parts function correctly. So Jubilee will only work if you play your part. Jubilee will only be the very best that God has for us if we all bring the gift that God has given us and put it in the mix. It's like making a cake. You might bring different ingredients and different parts of it, but actually it only tastes great if all the ingredients are there. Otherwise, it's just all flour or all eggs. And you don't get much of a cake out of that. So what's your part? And are you playing it? I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. Listen, if you've been around for one week or you've been around for ten years, I don't care. You've got a part to play. You've got a gift to bring. You've got a part to play in Jubilee. And if you're not sure what that is yet, then there are a whole bunch of people that would love to help you find out. Talk to your small group leader, your life group leader. Come and talk to me or another one of our leadership team. Say, can you help me with this? We would love to help you with that. You might think, oh, but you're really busy. Listen, we would love to help you discover what it is that God has for you. It might be serving in a particular area of the church. Say, kids work, for example, or worship. Or welcoming people. It might be uh, God has put on your heart a particular part of the city that you want to reach in reaching out and evangelism. It might be that God is stirring you about a particular people group in another nation. It could be any number of things. What's your gift? And are you bringing it? 
and are you using it? We're nearly out of time, so I'm going to just wrap up very, very quickly and move some of what I was going to say into next week. Otherwise, we'll be here until um, this afternoon. That wouldn't be good because Adam and Rachel's five-course Sunday lunch would be burnt, and that would be bad. <laughs> it's going to be good. I'm, I'm beginning up. But let me just add one more thing here. We've talked about a few areas, haven't we? Things like worship and prayer and service and reading God's word. What about discipleship? I don't think we talk much about this, but we all need people who can speak into our lives. Whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, we all need people who can speak into our lives. And for most of us, we find that tricky. Particularly if we're British, we find that very tricky. We're not good at that. Other cultures are far better at it than we are. So you need to be intentional about it. There needs to be one or two people in your life who you have gone to and said, I want you to speak into my life. I want you to help me grow in God. I want to be accountable to you. Will you, will you help me? And because we find it tricky, actually it only tends to work if you have that conversation with someone. If you give them permission, if you go to them and say, I'm giving you permission to speak into my life. I'm giving you permission to hold me accountable on these things. I'm giving you permission to encourage me and if necessary to rebuke me. Because I want to grow in God. And it only works if you go to somebody and say that. And so for years now, I've made it my practice to be accountable to a few people. Now, who they are changes over time and seasons and circumstances. But for years now, I've made it my practice to have a few people around me who I have said to intentionally, I want to be accountable to you. I want you to help me grow in God. I'm giving you permission to speak into my life. And then you need to be prepared for them to say something. I remember doing this a few years ago because uh, I'd heard someone speak about it and I thought, that's a good thing, I need that. And I went to somebody who I trusted and said, I want you to be able to speak into my life. And he went, oh, okay. Then a few weeks later, he called me to one side and said, you know that conversation we had where you said you wanted to be a counselor? I went, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Well, we need to talk about one or two things. I went, oh. <laughs> but I'm glad he did. It was necessary. It was helpful. It wasn't easy, but it was good. So I want to ask you, have you got that sort of person or people in your life right now? Because if you haven't, I want to encourage you this morning, think about who it might be. Maybe this week even, go to them and, and say these sort of things to them. I want to be accountable to you. Will you help me to grow in Jesus? Help me to be a better Christian, to love God more. Help me to use my gifts that, that God's given me. Help me to discover what they are maybe. You need people in your life who you can trust, who are going to speak the truth of God into you. And it might, always, it might not always be easy. It might be painful sometimes. But friends, we all need it. We all need it. I'm meeting somebody this week for this very purpose for me, who I've said to, I want to be accountable to you. I want you to help me to grow in God. I want you to speak into my life. I'm seeing them this week for that very purpose. Who is it that you're seeing? When are you seeing them next? And have you got that relationship with someone? We need to wrap up because time has gone. Next week we're going to look at what you need to wear. What you need to wear. We might talk a little bit about the armour of God as I was alluding to a little bit earlier with Tim. But as we close, 
You might be asking, is this really for everyone? Let me just remind you what I said earlier. Good runners keep on training. No matter how long they've been running for, they keep on training, keep on exercising, keep on giving themselves that in order they might get better and keep going. So my encouragement to you this morning, whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, to keep on with these things, to keep on training and preparing in order that you might run well. Make yourself accountable. Keep growing in your relationship with God. Keep training. Keep on running. And next week we'll look at the race. Amen. Can we stand together? The band are going to come back. We're going to have one song as we close. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what we've looked at this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that you are committed to us. Thank you that you're committed to us growing in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are going to finish that which you've started in us. And thank you that by your Spirit, you want to help us to run well. Lord, we pray that we might run well for you. We might run the Christian life, the Christian race well and honour you in every area. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.